Hey, today uh, it's, it's called Use Me. Would you guys say Use Me on the count of three? Already one, two, three. Use me, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a funny little thing to say because you're like, most of the times we think like, I don't, I don't want someone to use me, but we definitely want God to use us. So, so we just thought like, hey, let's have some fun with it. Let's call it use me. But today is not going to be much of a sermon, which I think some, I, I know some of you guys laugh when, when, I, when I say that, today, that, that a certain day is not going to be much of a message because you know that when I say that, it means I'm still going to preach, but it means I have a very specific agenda. It's not like a general application, like here's what you might want to do. It's, it's, here, it's I have a definite goal in mind. And today, a de- definitely have a goal in mind, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but today is not going to be much, there's not going to be a whole lot of Bible. There's going to be some Bible. Um, but today we have a very specific thing that we want to talk about. Um, and, and I'm going to start by just saying that I, I grew up, I, I grew up in the, I grew up in the church. Did anyone else here just grow up around church? Okay, a couple of hand, a bunch of hands in the air. Like I, I grew up in the, around the church, and I think for the for those of you guys who have met me, known me, like that's not much of a surprise. Like I think people who I meet in random daily life, like when they meet me, they're like, I bet that guy grew up in church. Like just the way he shake, shakes hands, the way he looked at me in the eye, like just the way. Like I think I think that guy grew up in church. And then if anyone sees me like dancing at a wedding, they're like, oh, definitely that guy grew up in church. Like he doesn't have any moves. Like and and I'm like, well, that's also because you know my skin color and all. There's a lot of stuff that goes into me not being able to dance. Um, like we were at uh, Issa and Simon's wedding not that long ago, right? And they started doing like the little the what, what's it, the electric slide, the the what's it the little thing where you're like it tells you what to do and like you just do it. And I'm like, this is too hard for me. That was too complicated. Anyway, so so that that's my dancers. But I, I I grew up around church and I loved growing up around church. And my family was just really really dedicated to being part of the local church. And 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 I thought it was great. But growing up in church, it has some disadvantages and it has some real advantages. The disadvantages was that like my family like. My, my parents weren't pastors, but we might as well have been. My family, my parents were on the board. Uh, and that meant, and part of the disadvantage of that was that, like, you kind of know everything about what's going on in the church. And my parents decided, like, from a young age, they weren't going to, like, shield us from the stuff that was going on in church. Like, if it was going on in the church, they were going to talk about it with us. And so we knew what was actually going on, not just what was said from a stage or anything like that. We knew the real stuff behind the scenes. Like, there was, you know, I remember, like, stuff like this. There was a Sunday where our pastor got up and announced that, unfortunately, our youth pastor um, had decided to move back home and that he was wanted to spend more time with his family. And I was like, oh man, that's really sad. And then when he got home, my parents were like, yeah, actually he had to decide to move back home because we were going to fire his butt because he, like, he, he took a girl home from a, from a youth event in the, in the church van. And if you take a, if, if you're an adult man who takes it, you know, I'm, I'm like, what? I'm nine. I don't really understand what you're saying. But I, like, I remember thinking like, that's like, you're going to fire him. He had, and my, you know, like, th- like those types of things where you're just like, oh, Okay, you know that's interesting. That's kind of different. But the advantages were were were, were huge. I mean that that I, I grew up around church and I love church. And one of the biggest advantages that I remember was feeling from a young age in my family and in our church the the the, the feeling and the idea that God could use me, that God could do something through me, even as a as a young boy, as a young man, growing into in my teenage years and my in my my elementary school years. I remember thinking and being very aware in our church and in my family that God could use me, that God could use anybody. And if God could use anyone, then God could certainly use me. And I remember feeling that and thinking that from a young age. I remember the first thing that I, like, first time I saw this play out, when I was like seven or eight years old, there was um, something that happened in our church. There was, there was a, a man who had been a part of our church for a long, long, long time, and he passed away. And my parents said, you know, one of the things that he did in the church was he got pastor a cup of cold water and put it under his podium every Sunday because pastor gets, you know, pastor Tim gets a, a, a sore throat and he, and, he, and he gets a dry voice. And when he gets a dry voice, he likes to have a, a cup of water, but he doesn't remember to get his own water. So, they, so my parents said, Chris, 
you could, this, this could be a way that you could help Pastor Tim and that you could help in the church. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And they said this, there's this, there, there's like, there's this verse that says, if you even give someone a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, like there's something amazing that happens. And I was like, yeah. You know, I'm like seven, eight years old and they had a Bible verse and an opportunity where I could do something. And I was like, yes. And I remember the first time that I saw it happen, like I had put the water under there. I had done it very sneakily. No one saw me put the water there, but I'd gotten the cup of cold water. It was a nice styrofoam cup, nothing fancy, you know, but it was, it was, you know, it was, it was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this right here. And I thought, like, should I put a note? Chris says hi. Like, you know, like the things that you think when you're seven. And I didn't because my parents said not to. And so I, 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 I put this cup there. And I remember thinking, like, all right. Like, I, I have never paid attention to a sermon so closely as when I was seven years old watching my pastor. I was like, is he going to take a drink? Is he going to take a drink? Is he going to take a drink of the water? And sure enough, about like, thir- like 30 minutes into the sermon, because it was like a 50-minute sermon, he, t- he, he kind of like, ah, ah, and I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he pulled out the cup and he took a drink and he said, I don't know who got this for me, but thank you. And I was like, it's me. It's me. It was me. And so I, I, was, I was so excited that at seven or eight years old, like I got to be a small part of what was happening in our church. And then another thing that our church did every year is we, we had this thing. It was, we just called it our Easter drama. I don't know, I don't know exactly what, what you'd call it nowadays, but it was, it, was, it was an Easter drama. Every year Easter, our church would put on this massive production of like what happened in the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And I remember like it, throughout the years, like I was, as a young boy, I did some things. And when I got to my teenage years, I remember, that I had been in it so long that I got to play multiple parts, but they asked me specifically to play one very important part, and it was a very, 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 very important part. It was the part of the thief on the cross, okay? And so now, I wasn't just the thief on the cross. There was, there was, there was moving parts to this. So if you've ever been like part of, an, like, or seen an Easter drama, there's Jesus on the cross, and then there's the two thieves on the cross beside, you know, beside him, to, you know, kind of flanking him for sy- symmetry purposes. You know, you've got to have one on each side. And so, the way the play, the way the play and the drama worked was, was that there was the, the crucifixion scene and then there was the earthquake and the darkness and all of that. And then after that happened, like everyone was supposed to, you know, everyone left the room and everyone was, was off of the stage and everyone was kind of out of the picture. But the next scene had Jesus bloody still on the cross so that the main character who was like observing the life of, and, and every interaction of Jesus could have like a big realization about like what had happened on the cross. So Jesus still needed to be on the cross and simultaneously the guy who was playing Jesus needed to be backstage getting cleaned up so that he could, you know, raise from the dead radiantly and triumphantly like two seconds later, right? So Jesus had to be on the cross so that this this guy could make, you know, make his realization and the guy playing Jesus needed to be backstage cleaning up. So they said, Chris, what we need you to do is we need you to be the guy who in the darkness, we're going to have you, because you have a similar body type to to the guy playing Jesus, we're going to have you in the dark of the earthquake. You're going to switch places with Jesus so Jesus can go, you know, so so Mark, who by the way was 45, which was confusing to me, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, why does it have to be me? And they said, you have a similar body type. I'm like, are you saying I have a similar body type as a 16-year-old to a 45-year-old? And then my pastor got a call somewhere and he needed to walk away. It was really weird. Anyway, so, like, so, I, so I had to switch places with Jesus in the dark, get up and, and be in the same position that, G, that, you know, that Mark slash Jesus had been in when he, when he died on the cross. And I, and I was on the cross then for like eight minutes and like, you know, loincloth. And I remember like the, the, that, that year, like it was the first year ever that like our local newspaper had come to take pictures and, and they took pictures while 
it was me on the cross, not Mark on the cross, slash Jesus on the cross. And I remember thinking, that looks like my belly button. Okay, great, that is my belly button. And my, and my belly button was on, on the local. But like, I remember being a part of this in this Easter drop, I and mean, it was a huge deal. We grew up in a town of 2,000 people. Every year there was 700 people that would show up for this Easter drama. It was crazy, like to be part of that, like to be part of, like, part of you know, the crowd and to be part of the thing on the cross where people came to know Jesus. And every year it seemed like there was 50 to 100 people who would put their trust in Jesus and put their faith in Jesus and come back to faith. And I got to play a part in it. I remember thinking from a young age, God can actually use me. And so I'm so glad that I grew up in church and I, that I grew up with a family that believed in the idea that God could use anyone. And if God can use anyone, then certainly he could use me. And what I started to realize a few years ago as, as a youth pastor and, and, and as I've been around church people and been around church my entire life is that most people don't have that experience. Most people don't realize that God can use them. Most people don't grow up, even if they grow around church, most church people think that God can use pastors and that God can use a few select people and there's a few elite people that God can use, but God can't really use just the average ordinary people like me. And if you didn't grow up around church and you're back in church, like we come to the, we often like come to faith as adults with the realization that God can do something for us and that God can do something in us. But I, I, as a pastor, I just hope that we can create a church where full of, full of people who are beginning to realize that if God can, that God actually can use anyone. God can use people more than pastors. God can use more than just a couple people on a stage that God actually can use anyone. And if God can use anyone, then God can use me. Yeah. Yeah, that God can actually use me and God can use you and God can take our, 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 our stuff and our things and our abilities and our talents and our time and our energy and God can take the little that we think we have to offer and God can actually use it in a way that does some significant, life-changing, maybe world-changing things. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about how God can use us and how God uses regular, everyday, ordinary people to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in the world and to see lives change and to see people, you know, go from death to life and to see people move from a place of like feeling like they're just in absolute darkness to feeling like, you know what, I'm actually alive in Christ because I think that's what God wants to do in our hearts. I think that's God, what God wants to do in our lives. I think that's what God wants to do through our church in our city. And so the question really becomes, well, how do we do that? And last week we actually kind of set this up saying that we we're going to talk about that this week was going to talk about the secret sauce of our church, how we keep going and growing. We said it was going to get saucy, and it's about to get saucy, folks, because this is like how God uses us is the secret sauce of our church. It's how we keep growing. It's how we keep going. It's how we keep reaching our communities, how we keep creating a place where people can find Jesus and come to faith and come back to faith and come back to faith after a long time away from faith. This is how it happens. And so the question that we're going to answer today is simply this, how does God use us? How does God use everyday, ordinary people? How does God use 36-year-old Chris? And how does God use 24-year-old, um, <coughs> sorry, sorry, how does God use 24-year-old Tort? You're 24, right? 24, 25, 29, something like that, 37. Yeah, but, uh, how, does, how does God use 30-year-old 30 30 Jocelyn? 30? Almost 30, yeah. Like, how does, how, does God, how does God use us in the world? How does God use everyday, ordinary people in the world to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish. So we're going to go to the Bible in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 is very close to the end of the end of Jesus's time on earth, very close to the time where Jesus was, was looking forward to the cross, where Jesus is going, like has, is talking to his disciples. And the verses right up before this, Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, guys, I just want to let you know what's coming in the next few days, in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months. 
I am going to be betrayed and I am going to die. I, one of you, one of you is going to betray me. I am going to the cross. I'm going to suffer in, in unbelievable ways. You'll be ashamed of me in that moment. Like, it's, I mean, this is like the worst possible scenario. Like, like this would be like if I got up and I'd be like, guys, I just want to let you know. If stuff, if, if stuff doesn't happen, like we're closing in like a week. Like, like we're just, like we're toast as a church. I mean, like, this, this is Jesus with his 12 guys going like, I just want to let you know what's coming. And it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's going to be bad for me. It's going to be bad for you. You're going to be ashamed of me. I'm probably going to question whether or not you ever really liked me. Like things are not going to go well and you're going to have to see all of that. You're going to see things not go well for me, who you believe is your Lord and Savior. And you're going to question everything I've told you. And you're going to question everything I've showed you. And you're going to even question whether or not the miracles were real. Because if if the miracles were real, surely I could take myself off the ground. You're going to see all this stuff. And it's going to go really, 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 really bad. And then we come to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20 says this, then, in other words, meaning right after what Jesus had just told them, then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons. So mama, so mama comes, right? Mama comes. And this is one of those weird little stories where you're like, one of, the, one of the disciples' moms wanted to talk with Jesus? Yeah, one of the disciples' moms wanted to have a conversation with Jesus. I call her Mama Z because she's the son of Zebedee's sons, or the mother of, of Zebedee's sons. So she comes, and she's got her boys on her left and right. She's like, I got my good boys here. Got, you know, got, got, my, got my good boys, James and John, the sons of Zebedee and, and sons of me. She says she knelt down to ask him for something. So she kneels before Jesus, and she's got a question for Jesus. Jesus says, what, what do you want, he asked her. And she says, promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now just imagine you're Jesus in this moment and you just feel like, guys, things are about to get really, really, really bad and everything that you think is gonna happen is not gonna happen and, and everything you think about me restoring the kingdom... Not going to happen that way. Um, everything you want to think about me, like having some military coup and overthrowing the Romans, not going to happen. Um, I, I'm actually going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to, like, it's going to be a very, very bloody, terrible experience for, for me and for everyone involved. And this mom comes and she's like, okay, but Jesus. So I just want to have a conversation because maybe you haven't thought about this, but we all think you're going to be a king. And so when, you, when you're a king, you've got to have someone sitting on your right and left and you've got to have someone sharing the authority and the power and the glory and the attention and the honor and the spotlight. And so maybe you haven't thought about this, but and so just in case you haven't thought about it, I want to shoot my shot here and I want to like just present an option for you. May I present to you my sons, my, 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 my boys, and you may not know them because they don't have any other story. I mean, they're one of your, they're, they're two of your 12 guys. They don't have any stories that are in the rest of the Gospels. They haven't done anything exceptional. They haven't done anything that's going to get them in the spotlight. They don't, like, they're not going to be included in the Gospel other than the fact that I'm their mom and I'm showing up in this story to ask a really, really, really silly question. But just in case you haven't thought about who's going to sit there, may I present my boys James and John as options to sit next to you when you're the king? She's like, I, I, I have no, I, like, I, it's, I am completely partial opinion. I think they're wonderful boys because they came from me. And so I would like to present that these boys would make wonderful choices to sit at your right and your left. Isn't this a funny situation? Now, if you're a teacher, I know we got a bunch of teachers in the room. Don't you hate when parents come to you with requests like this? Like, hey, I just want to ask. Like, just maybe you haven't thought of this, but like, could like could like my son be like your favorite? Like, like that's that's what this that's what this this mom is doing. Like, could my daughter maybe be like you know your class pet? Like, could could you give her extra extra grace on her? Like, it just it's just it's this moment like, 
I just talked about how things are going to go really, really bad and I'm going to die. And you're worried about who's going to sit at my right and left when I'm a king. I just told you I'm not going to do the whole king thing. And what are you doing? So this is, what, so this is Jesus' response. In, in verse 22, Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus doesn't even answer the mom. He looks right to the boys, which who like immediately they're like, oh, this was a bad idea. Like Jesus isn't responding to our mom. He's talking to us now. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink. And instead of like all of us reading this story, now we're like, these guys were, these guys were dumb. This is a bad idea. This is a dumb question. And they double down on it. They're like, we are able, they, we, we are able, they said to him, we are able to drink the cup. The cup that you're gonna drink is successful and it's a kingship and it's royalty and it's glory and it's honor and it's authority and it's power. And if that's the cup that you're gonna drink, Jesus, we are able to drink that cup. We want the right and the left. That sounds like a great thing to us. And Jesus is like, you, you do not know what you are asking. In verse 23, it says, He told them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. Jesus like, there's a cup, and you haven't understood it. The cup is suffering. The cup is difficulty. The cup is pain. You're going su- like, to suffer. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. You're going su- you're, you're to do that. You're going to drink the same cup as me. But like, like, that's not what this is all about. He says, when the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant. Would you guys say indignant? Indignant with the two brothers. So now Jesus has like a full-on disciple meltdown happening. Like Jesus, like, like Jesus, it's this like private, private moment, Mama Z and the two boys and JC, you know, like they're having this moment and it's like, all right, there's the four of us and you're asking what? You're asking what? And one of the disciples obviously overhears what's going on and they become enraged. They become furious. Like you're asking for what? You think you've, you think you've been longer here, here longer than me? I've been here longer than you. I've done more than you. I healed more people. Like when the, when the food was being split up, among, like I, I did like 17 baskets and you only did like four, buddy. Like getting a lot, like I've done way more than you. Like they, be, they start comparing themselves. They start fighting for honor. They start fighting for privilege. They start fighting over who's the best, who's the brightest, who's the greatest. Who's, who, if Jesus is gonna be the king, who, should, who deserves to sit on his right and his left? Who deserves to share the spotlight? Who deserves to share the glory? Who deserves to share the attention? Who deserves all of that? That's what they're arguing over. And into that, in verse 25, it tells us this. Jesus then instituted a policy that the disciples' mothers could no longer visit. That's the, the CWV is the Chris Weiss version. That's what I would have done. Like, all right, no more mom visits. No more, like, I mean, go see your moms. Your mom can't come see me. Like, but no, Jesus actually had a different response to the full-on disciple meltdown, to the full-on disciples just like arguing over something that Jesus believes doesn't matter at all because he's told them it doesn't matter at all. Here's what he says in verse 25. Jesus called them over and said, you know you know, which by the way, if Jesus tells you, hey, you know, is he's reminding you something that you have already figured out. He's reminding you something of you that, that he's already told you, something that he's already spoken to you, something that he's already like shown you and, and that you know, and that you know there's something better and you're not living up to. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants 
over them. What Jesus knew is all 12 of his guys had grown up poor. They had grown up as the poorest of the poor. They had grown up, not one of them was educated. Not one of them was a wealthy man. Not one of them grew up around money. They all saw there's people in this world who have wealth and have riches and have power and have authority. And everything that they had seen and heard was like, when those people have it, they don't use it for the good of other people. They use it for the good of themselves and they use it to benefit themselves. They don't use it to benefit anyone else. He says, You've seen what those guys are like. You've seen what, that ha- what happens. You've seen what happens when people get authority and power that they w- just because they want it and they don't use it for good. And he's like, you know how much you hate those guys. So then Jesus says, it must not be like that among you. He said, in other words, Jesus like, like we're, we're doing something different here. We're not trying to raise up a, a kingdom that's just like all the other kingdoms. We're trying to do something different. It must not be like that among you. He says, on the contrary, whoever wants to, what's those next two words? Become great. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Yeah. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. In other words, if you, like, being great, that's a fantastic goal. We should all want to be great. We should all seek great things. We should all look for significant things that we can accomplish with our lives. Jesus was not opposed to someone wanting to be great. But Jesus said, if you want to be great, here's the real way to do it. If you want to become great, you must be the servant. And he says, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. And then he goes on in verse 28, he says this, just as, would you guys say just as? Just as the Son of Man, just as Jesus, my, as Jesus is saying, just as I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for money, for, for many. Jesus says, you want to be great? Great. You want to be important? Great. You want to do significant things? Go for it. You want, you, want, you want to change the world? I'm all about that. You want to see lives changed? Let's do it together. Like, like that's, a, that's a big deal. Those are things that, that Jesus came to, take, came to do. He's like, you want to do something great and you want to do something great for God? Let's go do something great for God. Jesus was not against ambition, but Jesus wanted to make sure that their ambition was met with the right action. That if they wanted to be great, Jesus wanted to show how you could be great in the kingdom of God. That greatness in Jesus' kingdom, that greatness in Jesus' family, that greatness in the way Jesus was going to define greatness for everyone was not about a position that you could reach, was not about how much authority you had, was not about how much money you had, but it was all about how much you were willing to serve those around you. We were, talking, we were talking with a guy at our, our, our small group this week, and he's just started a new job. And he was saying how he was so impressed with the culture of the place that he was working. He said, like, the owner is just as likely to have a mop in his hands as anyone who's, as, as me who's just been hired. Like, he said, he's actually mopping more than I am. I'm like, well, then you better catch up. But, like, like if the owner is mopping a lot, you better be mopping a lot. But he said, no, what's so impressive, like, he has all the rights and all the authority and all the, pay, like, he signs the paychecks and he's everyone's boss. And yet he's setting an example as someone who's willing to serve every single second of every single day that he's in the store. And I said, and I couldn't help but thinking, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. That when you're in authority, you serve. When you, whether you have no authority, you serve. The way that you show that you're great in the kingdom of God, that you're great the way Jesus defined greatness, is that you would be the person who's willing to serve. 
that you'd be a person who's willing to serve, that you'd have a heart and hands and a head that's willing to just say, whatever I have, I want God to use it, and I want God to use it for, for everything that he's got. And I love how Jesus closed, closed this off. He's like, he's like, you know, guys, don't let, the way the rest of the world operates, that's not how it's supposed to be among you. You know, whoever wants to be great, go be great, but be great by being the servant of all. And then Jesus closed it off by, sending his, by saying, here's the example that I have set for you. He says, in, in case you guys think that I'm great because of my miracles, I am not great because of my miracles. I'm great because I left heaven to come and serve the needs of mankind. In case you think I'm great because I fed 5,000 people with a small boy's lunch and just a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. I mean, that was impressive. Like, let's not get, like, get, get, you know, get things mixed up. But I'm not great because I, because I came and did that miracle. I'm great because I was willing to do whatever my father asked me to do. I was willing to come serve. And the miracle was an outflow of that. Jesus is like, just in case you think I'm great because of the miracle where I touch people's eyes and they see. I mean, that's impressive, but that's not why... why why, you know, why I'm impressive. I, I, that's not what makes me great. What makes me great is I was willing to go and touch the people that no one else was willing to touch. In case you start to think that I'm great because I healed a leper, what actually made, made Jesus great, Jesus would say, was I was the one who was humble enough to say no one is untouchable and I'll go touch anyone, anywhere, anytime because that's who I am. I'm a servant. First and foremost, Jesus said, I am here to serve. And so what Jesus says to his followers is, look, if in case any of you start to think that you're, really, you know, that you're kind of big in your britches and you're like, you know, like, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty awesome, I did some miracles, I did some things, did some awesome things, everyone should be paying attention to me. Jesus says that's not what this is all about at all. What defines greatness for Jesus is a willingness to serve, is a willingness to, to go wherever, wherever God would want us to go, to do whatever God would, would have us to do, to give God our hands, our feet, our pocketbooks, our minds, our energy, our hands, our time, to just simply say, whatever you can have, God, whatever you, whatever you want, you, you, have, you have me. Just use me. Just use me. Use, use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Whatever. Whatever you have, whatever I want, just, just use me. Just use me. Just use me. And so here's the, here's the thing. To answer the question that we asked from the very beginning, well, how does God use people? This is how God uses people. This is how God changes the world. This is how God changes neighborhoods. This is how God changes cities. This is how God uses us, regular people, to do important, significant things. This is the big deal. This is kind of the bottom line. The only thing God requires, or the only thing required for God to use you is a heart that's willing to serve. The only thing that's required. You, like, some of us, we think, like, well, God needs a talent. God needs, you know, speaking ability. God needs the ability to write a message. God needs the ability to sing a song. And here's the thing. The only thing that God requires in order for him to use you is for you to have a heart that's willing to serve. A heart that said, yep. Hands that have said, yep. A mind that has said, yep. Time that says, that we could just simply come to God and say, God, whatever I have that you might want to use, use me. I know you can use anyone. I want you to use me. And if that means you use some of my time that, I, that I've been holding on to, use me. If that means that you use some of my, some of my finances that I've been holding on to, use me. If that means that you use my, my talent that I've, that I've kind of been holding on to and thinking that this was something that God couldn't use, use that. That I just simply would say, and maybe that you would say, God, just use me. Whatever you want to do, use me. Whatever, whatever part I can play, use me. The only thing required for God to use you is a heart that's willing 
to serve. And as a church, like, again, I just want to say this. I want us to be a, a church that realizes more and more and more and more that God can use us, that God can use me, that God can use you, that wherever you're from, whatever your past is, whatever, whatever your experience in church was before you started coming to our church, that God can use you. And in our church, God has something that he wants you to do and something that he wants to accomplish in you and something that God wants to accomplish through you. And in order for him to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish through you, it's possible that he's going to need to use you. Now, there's two things that I want to talk about today in, in relation to how this is going to play out over the next couple of weeks, months, years in, in our church. The first one is that in a couple weeks, we have uh, something coming up that we call Four Crucis Spring. Now, I, I wanted to say that in a way that maybe there would be some applause afterwards. So we're going to try and go back and say it again. The first one is that in just a couple weeks, we have something that we are really excited about. And we're all going to say yeah about called Four Crucis Spring. Yeah. That was still is okay. Yeah, so, so Four Crucis Spring. Every year, we, we, we talk about this, but I, I want to talk about it a little bit specifically, you know, a, a little bit ahead of time so you can make some time on your calendar. The week of March 15th through the 21st, that's a Sunday through a Saturday, we're going to take that week and every day we're going to have some projects and some ways that we're going to love our city, that we're going to love our schools, that we're going to love our, our, our communities, that we're going to do some things that show love to people who may not ever make it into the doors of our church, but we want to let them know that God loves them, that God cares for them, that we are for them, whether they're for us, and that God is for them, whether they're for God or not yet. That, that, that God loves them, that God cares for them, that God knows them, that God sees them, and that God wants a relationship with them. And it, if, if it takes us getting out of the, the doors and the, and the walls of, of our school slash church, that we will go wherever and do whatever we can to show the love of God to some people in our city because we are for Crucis. We're for the 100,000, 120,000, whatever th thousands of people there are in Crucis. We want every person in Crucis to know that God loves them. And so a couple times a year, we take a week to show some love to some organizations and through some organizations and to some people in our community. So for Crucis, is going to be March 15th through the 21st. If I could get you to put one date on a calendar or in a note or somewhere on your phone or write it on your forehead, maybe don't do that. But you know, you could if you're really forgetful and the only way you remember stuff is if it's written on your forehead and you look in a mirror. March 20th, Friday, March 20th, is a day that we're going to do something that we have not ever done before, but I'm really excited about it. I mentioned it, this to our team a couple weeks back when we had our all-team meeting, uh, and it's simply this. We're going to work with a, an organization in Alamogordo that has what they call the Runner's Refuge Food Truck, and they, they have a mobile food truck that in Alamogordo, it goes out into the community. They cook hot meals for people, and they, and they, and they say, we, we just want to, you know, if, if you need a hot meal, we'd love to provide a hot meal for you, and what they've done in Alamogordo Magordo is they see every time they go out somewhere between 100 and 120 people come out and experience the love of Jesus. Sometimes they, 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 have, they have a prayer tent. We're going to have a tent of some sort or a prayer table where people can come. And if they want prayer, they can get prayer. If they just need a hot meal, they can get a hot meal. But we're going to show the love of Jesus to people in our community through the road, through the, the runner's refuge food truck. They're going to bring it over. We're going to volunteer. They're going to cook. We're going to pass out food. We're going to pray with people. We're going to share the love of Jesus with people. That's going to happen Friday night, March. March 20th, 20th. 
20th, 20th, March 20th. We're going we're gonna to do that. So I would just encourage you if, you, if you have the time free, if you can make the time free, we would love to have you. We'll have the details coming up in the next couple weeks of exactly where it's going to be. But keep March 20th, Friday night, open on your calendar if you're interested. But we're also going to have projects every single day. We'll have some, some during the daytime. Most of them will kind of be during the nighttime so that if you work during the day, you can still get out and serve with us. And I think on the 21st, I believe we're either going to be at El Caldito Soup Kitchen or at Habitat for Humanity. We're going to do some amazing things and we're going to serve our community in big ways. And we're going to simply say, to our com- say about reaching our community, God, if it takes you using me to reach, reach our community, God, use me. You, use my week. Use the week of March 15th and 20, through the 21st in my life and use me to do something for you. Use me to love someone for you. Use me and my, and my skills in cooking or my skills in passing out food. You know, maybe we have a, a Jesus loaves and fish miracle where we have food for 100 and but, you know, 2,000 people show up and maybe we just go like, you know, maybe we find out someone has miraculous powers and we pass out. To, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but who knows? Who knows what could happen if we show up and say, God, use me. But I know if we show up and say, God, use me, God will do something. And so let's show up and say, God, use me. That's the, fir- that's the first part of today. The second part of, of this is that I would love for some of you to consider joining what we're going to call for this year, we're going to call it the Use Me Team. The Use Me Team is what we've called the Dream Team. It's what we call the Serve Team. It's what we call the team. It's what we call the, the people who volunteer to, around here to make our church keep going and growing and keep reaching people and keep loving kids and keep making people feel welcome and keep making sure that the, that the coffee is good and that the coffee is wonderful and that the donuts are fresh and that the bananas are fresh and that, and that the music sounds good and that the sound sounds good and that the lights look good. It's, it's the people who make our church happen. The people who make our church a church, and the people who make our church a church, not just on Sunday mornings, but make it a place that, that uh, make it a church that changes lives throughout the week. And so what I'd love to, for you to do, on your seat when you came in, there's a card that looks like this. If every one of you, you may be sitting on it, you're probably playing Princess in the Pea with it. I would love for you to take this out right now. You don't have to do anything with it right now. I'm going to explain it. And so I'd, I'd just love for you to kind of listen and look as, as you explain it. This is, this is all of the teams that make up our weekend service experience. The reason we do this and talk about this every year is, is simply we, we have a mission as a church, and we've talked about this before, but some of us, some of us we, for, we forget and we, and we just think it's church is church is church is church is church is church. But here's the mission of Movement Church. Movement Church exists to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ by creating. Would you guys say creating? By creating a church that unchurched people love to attend, love to be a part of. Our goal from the very beginning has, to be, has been to be a place, to be a church, that when someone walks through the doors, they know it doesn't matter what I've read of the Bible before, I'm welcomed, I'm wanted, I can belong here, I can grow here, I can reconnect with God here. That's been the whole goal from, our, from, from the very beginning. We want to help people connect and reconnect with their Heavenly Father. That's what, it's all, that's what it's all about. We want to help people grow wherever they're coming from, but we want to make sure that we're creating a place that leads to growth, that helps people take their next step and their first step in faith. And, when we, when, and the reason I, that we've said that I wanted to highlight that word creating is those of you guys who are part of the team already, you know that that word creating is a big word and it carries a lot of meaning. And there's a lot that goes into creating the Sunday morning thing that happens every week. And that every single week, there's something between 40 and 50 volunteers that it takes to make our Sunday morning happen from, from little movers to movement kids to production to the greeters and the first impression team and the hospitality team and the worship team and set up and take down and all of those 
those teams. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into our safety. I mean, all the, all the different stuff that goes into to creating this place on a Sunday morning to help people take their first step or their next step. And, 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 and what happens is so amazing that, that 40 to 50 people come together to create a place where, where kids can know Jesus and kids can be loved by adults who love Jesus and love them too. And, and adults can come and hear a message and, and worship together and, and experience something that goes, man, I, I, I could maybe just be a part of that. I could, I could actually belong here and grow in my faith here. It's amazing. And I would just want, maybe simply want to invite you that maybe it's time for, if you have not yet stepped into one of these teams, it might just be part, part of your thing and your next step might just be to say to God, you know what? Use me. Use me. Use me in, in, in creative. When I say, if you want to look at these, these things, creative is, is, the, is the work that does some of the, some of the stuff around video. It's, it's I, I, you know, I have an eye for video, I have an eye for photography, I have an eye for, for graphic design or poetry or creative storytelling or something like that. It could be anything that may not, you, you may not see it happen on a Sunday morning, but it goes into the Sunday morning. If, if you're interested in that, I'd love to have you maybe check that box. The First Impressions team is our, our greeters, our, ush, our, our, our greeters, our, our parking lot you know, greeters, the people at, that work at guest services to create a place where people feel like they have someone that, that met them, loved them, helped them get from the, door in, from the door of their car into the door of the church and felt like there was someone walking with them and they was happy that they were here. Hospitality is the coffee, it's the donuts, it's the fruit, it's all that stuff that, that, that looks so great because LaDonna and Chelsea put a lot of work into that. Our kids check-in team is a big deal because if someone is coming new to the church and they're checking in their kids and the person at kids check-in looks grumpy and annoyed, that's the first impression they have of the church. It's like, I left my children with someone who looked grumpy and annoyed. That's the person they put out front. What are the people back there doing? Like, you know, like, you know, and so we want to have, we believe that checking in kids is one of the biggest deals in our church to have people who are happy and friendly and smiley and putting a good first impression of good face on, on the church. Little movers, that's our preschool environment. And can I just say, I am so proud of our little movers environment. Last week, this is crazy. In our, in our first service last week, there was 17 preschoolers. One service, and there were not enough adults. <laughs> Which, you know, if, if you're a parent, there was plenty of adults, okay? But, it, but if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're thinking about volunteering, they could use some more help back there, okay? They, like if, if, you know, this, is, this is helping kids understand from an early age that God loves them. And there's adults who love God who love them too. And it's, aw and it's awesome to see that happening. Movement Kids. So movement Kids is our, our elementary environment. It's K through fifth grade. Between Little Movers and Movement Kids, this is so exciting. In, in, since, just in 2020, so in the, in the set, this is the eighth week of 2020 as far as you know, church goes, there has been 65 unique children checked into, checked into movement kids and little movers. There's a lot of kids in our church. Any given Sunday, they, they, the most they've had on any one Sunday is 38, but it's a rotating crew where like, you know, like there's a you know, bun bunch of people in, bunch of people out. And every single week the, in Little Movers and Movement Kids, there are tons of kids who are learning about Jesus. And maybe it's part of your thing that you're like, you know what, I want to be part of that. Like, so use me to help lead kids to Jesus. Movement Youth meets on Sunday nights to, to lead middle school and high school students in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm, I don't know what I could do, but I could probably be part of, you know, helping collect the offering. And, and you know, you can't take any of it just so you know. 
know, if you're like, don't sign up because you want to, don't do that. Anyways, um, um, maybe you want to be part of a team that, that, that leads us in prayer, um, you know, throughout, throughout the week that when someone, you know, submits a, a prayer request to the church that we can, that we can be praying together. It's, maybe it's the production team working back, back here right now. Joe and Damon are, are, are running the computer and look at them. Oh man, Damon's got his hands in the air. Joe's like, I got one hand up in, in the sort of air. And like, like, like I kind of care. And, and, but, but they're, they're the people who make us look good, sound good. Stuff couldn't, like, if, if, if the band up here was playing perfectly and they're not doing their job, you wouldn't even hear the band. You wouldn't know what was happening. If the band's playing terribly and they're doing their job, they actually, the band sounds pretty good. You know, like, they make, they make everything flow in service. There's the safety team, which is a response team and a presence that helps us be safe as a church and, and ready for in case there were any, any sort of emergency. And our worship team is the band that, that, that plays up here. And so what, we, what, what I asked us to do, what I asked our, our team to do this week is actually to prepare a little bit of a video, our, our four kind of point leaders of, of, of the different areas of, of our church, every single one of these ultimately follows under, under, under four people. And so I asked them to just create a little bit of a video sharing what, they, what, what their teams do and what, and what they're part of. If you're thinking, I'm not sure if I get it from what Chris was saying, I would just love for you to watch this video and check out what our teams do. Go ahead and play the video. Hi guys, my name is Issa and I serve as the lead for guest services. This team is so important because experience is everything to someone coming to church. We exist to create a welcoming environment that encourages guests to come back and bring more people. Guest services consist of greeters, hospitality, setup and teardown of the church, and special events. Our team is the face of movement. We represent the church by literally building it, whether it's curtains or chairs or putting connect cards on the seats to shaking hands and learning names, to serving snacks and refreshments, it all matters. Each member has a special part in creating an environment that is friendly, comfortable, and a true glimpse into how amazing and loving Jesus is. If you love serving and you love making new friends, this is the team for you. My name is Cynthia Lee, and I'm the face you rarely see, and you're probably thinking, she doesn't even go here. But I lead the environment for the tiniest but most important members of our church ages birth through pre-K. The awesome volunteers who work with me do so much for our little friends, change diapers, wipe boogers, build towers, show them how to deal with big feelings, keep them from eating crayons, hug them, play with them, laugh with them, and just have fun. But most importantly, we work hard to show and teach them that Jesus wants to be their best friend forever, that God made them and God loves them. And we would love for you to join our team too and to see how rewarding it is to watch kids grow spiritually. Come find me if you have any questions about what it's like to serve in Little Movers because yes, I do go here. Hey, I'm Jalen and I lead Movement's production team. If you like creating something out of nothing and have fun doing the little things that create a big picture, Movement production team is for you. We exist to create consistent and engaging worship services through the use of lighting, sound, and video tech. In other words, service wouldn't happen without us. We set it all up and we make it happen every Sunday, and then we quickly pack everything up and move it out like we were never even there. It's a fast-paced team during move-in and move-out where we create a church at the school. During service, our job is to create visual peace for everyone who walks through our doors. Part of the fun challenge of production is that our goal is to be invisible because we help service flow and transition so well that people can focus on what really matters and do our best to eliminate any distractions so people can really focus on connecting with God. One of my favorite parts of our team is to seeing multiple people 
doing different things like running computer, lights, and the soundboard to see how it all works together to create a great service. Good morning, my name is Devin League and I serve as the next generation pastor here at Movement Church. Every Sunday, I have the great privilege of sharing Jesus with all the kindergarten through fifth graders that are part of our church family. Here's why what we do in Movement Kids is such a big deal. Nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their savior do so before reaching the age of 13. It's hard to overstate the importance of this stage in a child's life, which means it's equally hard to overstate the importance of Movement Kids volunteers. We have the opportunity to be a small part of what God is doing in these young lives each week through worship, teaching biblical concepts, playing games, eating candy, and ultimately showing them the love of Jesus. I love what I get to do, but I can't do it alone. Most weeks, you most likely see a video of me telling you to keep being the movement. And this is an opportunity to do exactly that. If you're interested, don't hesitate to find me at Kids Check-In out in the lobby to ask any questions you may have and find out how you can join the team. And until next week, keep being the movement. I love how Devin said, this is a great opportunity. This is a great way for us to keep being the movement. And when we say keep being the movement, we really do mean let's keep building a church that, that reaches people for Jesus. Let's keep influencing people and let's keep inviting friends. Let's keep serving our community and loving our community. Let's keep being the movement. Let's keep loving God and growing closer to God ourselves so that we can lead others closer to God God for, for them for themselves. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep being the movement. And so the way that I, I would love to encourage you to do that today is to think and pray about what is the right thing for me to do to step up and to let God use me within our church. For some of you, it's going to be that you're going to get involved and that you're going to get involved in, in four cruises. For some, for others of you, the right next step is for you to step up and say, God, use me in our church on a Sunday morning. God, use me in one of these areas, in one of these ways. I want you to use me. If you can use anyone, use me. So I'd love for you to take the card, fill it out. If, you, if you're already involved, let me say thank you to you. Thank you so much for, the, for those of you who come early, stay late, and you're already involved and you've been involved. Many of you have already been involved from the very beginning, from the get-go, from day one of our church, and you've been involved for about 208 weeks now, and that's exciting and it's amazing. But here's what I know. We're not done yet. We are not done yet. We have far more to do that God wants us to do. We have far more, more to accomplish, far more people that God wants us to reach, far more families that God wants to change far more people that God wants to save. And for us to do that, we're going to have to step up and say, God, if you can use anyone, please continue to use me.